Um, the reading's taken from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream of not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, just pray this morning as we gather that you'll speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. I try to think, um, is it too late to sing carols on, on, on New Year's uh, day, day? Or uh, That's right. And, um, and then I try to think what carols you might not have sung over Christmas so that you didn't feel you were singing it all again, uh, which is why I, I, I sort of chose that one. Also, there's the question there, what child is this? Because um, uh, I, I just want to just think a little bit about some of the questions we have. You know, you know, there's a story, there was a Sunday school presentation and three children um, had been chosen to come and bring forward their gifts and to speak out loud. Um, they will know this from our time as a head teacher, <laughs> anybody that's been a teacher. Um, one, and they had to turn to the audience and say, you know, and the first child turned and said, gold, <laughs> loud voice, great. And there was a pause and the little child, a little bit more hesitant, said, meh. And the third child, he wasn't sure of uh, his cue. When he saw his parents, he waved a little bit, embraced himself, couldn't remember the words, and said, but remembered he had to say loud and clear, and he said, Frank said this. <laughs> um, we, we don't know much about the wise men. You know, we know that they were astrologers, that they, um, and we know that they were from Persia. I think it's really fascinating. It fascinates me how... You know, the people that came to Jesus were the shepherds. And then these foreigners um, had traveled a long way, you know, not, 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 Jewish, not from the Jewish nation themselves. And we sometimes say that Epiphany is when God is shown to all the nations, because here, these wise men, they went back. And, um, 
And it, it, it fascinates me because, look, we live in a, in a city with people of, of different faiths, but predominantly Islam. And, and this story says to me that there are people who, are seek, who, seek, who seek God and to whom God reveals himself, the Lord reveals himself. And it's interesting that it was these outsiders, as it were, the shepherds, the poor, and the foreigners who, in the Christmas story, uh, are right there at the center. We can see that they were committed to their journey to finding the newborn king. And uh, they were committed to finding, finding, they'd seen this star, they knew that a king had been born, and they wanted to come and uh, worship. And it was based on a vision or a, a thought that had, and I wanted to say that it involved making mistakes. And I, I wanted to think about three or four things in this story, but first the mistake. And it was quite a big mistake because they thought that Jesus was going to be in Jerusalem. And it was a, a mistake that was to lead to enormous tragedy because um, what happened was Herod was alerted and then when Herod couldn't find the newborn babe, do you remember what he did? Um, he ordered all the children under two to be uh, slaughtered. Um, so you could say it was a big mistake, but it was, uh, it, I mean, they were, they were following their, their uh, understanding and um, following the star, actually. They went to Jerusalem first, thinking a king would be born in a palace. And um, I just want to say that when we are, on, we are all of us on a journey of faith, and it involves us sometimes not quite knowing where we're going. And sometimes it involves us making mistakes. Sometimes we don't get it right. Um, when, we get, when they get to the Jerusalem, we hear them asking questions. Where is he that's been born king of the Jews? We've, come to, we've, we've seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. Where is he? Where is he? And I, I just, I suppose I wanted to say that, that that we, on a journey of faith, we might make mistakes. We might make mistakes. But, and we also bring questions. And we bring the questions of our hearts and minds and the questions of our lives. And these are really the first things that we bring. And I think that the journey of faith can easily stop if we block the questions. Uh, because... Questions lead us onwards. The questions that the wise men asked were asking, where is he? Where is he? Led them to be pointed towards Bethlehem. We might be saying sometimes in our lives, where is God? And uh, the psalmist asked lots of questions. Where are you, Lord? Or why has this happened? Questions are really important as part of our journey as faith. I mean, I look at Trevor here and I think, Trevor, in all that Trevor, Trevor, you could speak for yourself here, but all that you're going through, Trevor, will raise questions for you about God's activity. Uh, uh, if you suddenly find yourself housebound, it raises questions for you about who am I now? But oh God, what do you want of me? Um, what are you planning for me? And um, it's grappling with these questions that we actually grow in our faith. Sometimes it's the hardest times in life which br bring up these questions, don't they? 
Um, and it's those times that actually God is, I think, particularly close and, and engaged with us and, and is, is, is guiding us. And it's sometimes not the way we want. The, the wise men thought Jerusalem, the king, palace. And where did they find themselves going? To a, to, well, it was probably to the house, but to a poor family in a poor place. Not the place of their dreams, perhaps not the place that they expected or wanted to be. Um, but God had guided them and led them. I think questions, you see, I think they enlarge our faith. I think about my own questions in my own life that have actually enlarged my faith in difficulty. And I'm sure some of you sitting here will know that. And then I think the other thing about this story is that I wondered in my head what kept them going. <laughs> what kept them going on and on? They got to the palace and Herod's palace, and he wasn't there. I wonder what kept them going, and it doesn't really tell us in scripture. But I, I wonder whether part of what kept them going was that they were together. <laughs> I wondered if they'd been on their own, whether they'd have kept going. But together they did, and I, I, I maybe think about our journey of faith together, that we share our sorrows and joys, and perhaps also share our questions. And in sharing questions. There isn't necessarily an answer, is there? That's the difficulty. When somebody says, why is this happening to me? There isn't always an answer, is there? You know, or, you know I was talking to somebody whose husband died during COVID, a young woman, younger, well, say young, in her 50s, but younger than me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she said, you know, why, why, why did uh, Sadaga die? Uh, why did God, uh, he's a Christian, why did... Uh, God takes the dog, and there's no answer, is there? But actually, the the calling of that question, and um, and actually joining with her in calling that question, uh, what does it do? It draws us to uh, to to God. Actually, it says it doesn't, doesn't, but it, it draws us to say, Lord, we're here. We're empty-handed. Uh, we need you. We need you. Um, we're meant to journey together, not just with our joys and sorrows, but also with our questions, and also, um, you know, walk with somebody with their questions. I think. Then, then thirdly, I, I want to. I thought about the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus, not cheap gifts, but gifts of meaning. And you've heard lots of sermons about, you know, gold for a king, um, myrrh. Um, Incense used in the worship of God, incense acknowledging that Jesus is God, myrrh in preparing body, bodies for, for burial, acknowledging Jesus as Savior. And they offer these gifts to, to Jesus. And um, one of the, um, you know, you all have heard of Mother Teresa, um, and you might have read her book, but in, her, in the years after uh, she became a nun, she wanted to find a way of expressing her love for God. And in um, 1942, she vowed this. She vowed to give to God anything that he may ask, not to refuse him anything. That's quite a vow, isn't it? To, do, to not to refuse, to, to give to God anything that he may ask and not to refuse him anything. She said, I wanted to give God something very beautiful that's why the book's called Something Very Beautiful for God, without reserve. Now, at the beginning of the new year, you know, and if you were, if you were Methodists, anybody here Methodists? 
No, <laughs> my background. Well, the Methodists have a covenant service on this Sunday of the New Year. And um, uh, the, I should have brought the prayer with me. There's a beautiful prayer of, um, you know, um, offering to God ourselves. And um, uh, um, I've, oh, I mean, some of you know, I, I quite um, went on a, a retreat, an Ignatian retreat. And um, the, they lead you to a point where you say, Lord, um, let me be all things or let me be nothing. <laughs> let, me, um, let me have all things or let me have nothing. Let me be healthy and let me be sick for you. Let me be um, wealthy, let me be poor. Um, let me be famous, let me not. You know, it, it's that sort of, um, Lord, but, but well, let me only do your will. Let me only do your will. And, and the method of prayer is something very similar. Um, um, uh, there's this prayer that I wrote down here. It says, take, O Lord, and receive my entire liberty, my entire freedom, my memory, my understanding, my whole will, all that I am and all that I possess, you've given me, Lord. I surrender it all to you to be disposed of according to your will. Give me only your love and your grace. With these I will be rich and will desire nothing else. That sort of sense of offering our all. And otherwise I brought their gifts. That, you know, there's that lovely hymn, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were shepherd, I'd bring a lamb. Um, if I were wise man, I would do my part. What can I give him? Give my heart, give my all. And I think the Christian life is something about the journey of faith, working out what is the gift, what is the, how do we um, set ourselves free? There's a lovely little story of, um, uh, it's a little story, um, I, I, I'd have the words with me, but it, it's, um, uh, uh, um, God says to us, um, knocks on our door and says, Let's, let me come into your house, your person, let me come into your house. And you say, hmm, you can come in, um, uh, and you can have a little bit of my house, basically. And God comes up here again and says, um, I like what I see, um, give me a little bit more of your house. And, uh, and you say, mm, no, well, I like a little bit for myself. I like a little bit of room for myself and a little bit for room for you, God. <laughs> and, God and God says, well, I can wait. I like what I see. And then God says in this little um, story, um, you know, I want you to give me your whole house. <laughs> and you say, oh, that's a bit risky. <laughs> that's a bit risky. And, uh, and God says, um, uh, it may seem risky, but when I have your whole house, you'll have more freedom than you've ever had before because my son will live in you and you'll have more than you've ever imagined before, more freedom, more everything. And you say, hmm, that's a bit risky. I'll wait. And God says, I'll wait. But this new year is a time to think, what can I, can I open my heart to you, Lord? And then I'm just drawing to them. I suppose the other thing from this story is that the wise men gave themselves in adoration and worship. They worshipped. They worshipped. And I wonder what made them worship. And there was something there about this epiphany that Christ somehow, they looked at this baby <laughs> and they saw a king. They saw the savior of the world. That's an epiphany. Christ was revealed to them and they worshiped. 
even though they were in a poor house. You know, um, the Pope said, it's not enough to know where Jesus was born, as the scribes did, if we don't go there. It's not enough to know that Jesus was born, like Herod did, if we don't encounter him. And he says it's only when uh, we encounter Jesus, when Jesus is born within us, that he becomes uh, God for us. We have that epiphany moment. And um, I just wondered whether you have had any moments that you say they were like life transforming and I saw something of God <laughs> that changed the direction or changed my thinking or changed my direction. Has anybody had any moments like that? Could have been the birth of a child. You're holding a baby and you think, oh, there must be God. Or oh, could be a beautiful sunset. Any sort of epiphany moments when you thought God is really present. There will be. You just can't remember them right now while I'm asking the question, but there will be. I know it sounds, it sounds like a strange epiphany moment, but I think I might have said before, I was always afraid of dying when I was um, younger. And um, I've often thought, oh, death's not... I mean, you know, death is death. And um, it's an epiphany moment for me was when I was hospital chaplain, and I was with a, a somebody who was dying and died, and... I suddenly realized that, um, um, that death was a gateway to new life. <laughs> I don't know how to, uh, you could say that seems very strange, but from that moment, I understood that death was a gateway to new life. I suddenly saw death as like um, dying slowly as being a long labor or dying quickly as being a short labor, but you were being born into uh, uh, new life, into the kingdom of heaven. And it was like an epiphany moment. It was like God uh, revealed it to me, that this was, uh, this was um, uh, into new life. There were moments that, that uh, we experience something that gives us the courage to go a bit further. Um, and epiphanies, they're, they're times when we're called to just to move on beyond ourselves, really. It can be in a time... Um, of grief where you suddenly know, actually, uh, God is with me and I can take the next step. It may be that life has been, you know, some tragedy in life of, of some description. Um, and, and there comes a moment when you suddenly know that God is with you and, and you can take the next steps, that you're not alone. These are epiphanies when we're called to, we, we, God reveals himself to us and we move on. I just want to close with this, this famous poem because it's New Year and I put it in. You know, George VI, in 1939, his Christmas broadcast, he, he had a nine-minute speech and he finished with the words which were written by a woman called Minnie, Minnie Haskins. I bet nobody's heard of Minnie Haskins, have they? You'll have heard these words before, though. But remember, they, they were spoken by the George VI. They were written by Minnie Haskins. <laughs> and that, I love that fact. And this is what she said. She said in her poem, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. 
And then the poem, uh, which King George didn't read out, but continues with these words. So I went forth, and finding the hand of God, trod gladly into the night, and he led me towards the hills and the breaking of day in the lone east. Amen.